Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Tristan here along with Jacob and Jacob you want to go ahead and tell them what we're going to get into? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the NFL. The season just wrapped up, so we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, our thoughts. Um, um, and we're going to be talking about um, some coaching changes that have already happened and possible coaching changes. Um, and then going into hockey, um, we're getting closer to the trade deadline. And um, it's the point where it's after the All-Star break where you have to start picking things up. So let's get right into it. Yeah, so obviously, first things first, I think we... Uh, we should talk about the Super Bowl, which I know you are, you're just so happy about the Eagles losing. But in reality, obviously, after the game, a lot of the people that I know uh, who have my number texted me after the game. And you're one of the only people who were not just sitting there just trying to rub salt in my wounds. I, I wanted to be, but that's kind of a dickish move and I don't want to do that. And yeah. It's, I can't really say anything being a Washington fan because you did in three years what we've been trying to do for 30, which is get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you exactly. We did a complete rebuild pretty much in three years and made it back. We went we went from 4-11-1 to 9-8 to 14-3. That, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's, that's the thing that annoys me. It's like these, the people who are, uh, are be, who are being that way is like, all the Washington fans, the Dallas fans. It's like, you guys didn't do anything. Like, you didn't make it there, all right? And No, but we still have more. And before before we even go on about that, like, I'll just add on to why a lot of them are like that. Because they're saying the Eagles had an easy schedule and a Mickey Mouse schedule. If you look at it, the Giants, the Cowboys, and Washington all had the, same. The, the easiest schedule, too. So it's, it's called taking advantage of it. It's not our fault. And... The only the only game that I would even remotely come close to saying, yeah, you know, you, you're right, we had it way too easy, was the 49ers game. But even in that, even without a quarterback, we still had to play the number one defense in the league, and they might have started falling apart at the second half because they were getting tired, but we still had to play the number one defense. So it's just called taking advantage of your situation. Next season, the schedules came out. It's not going to be easy. We're going to have the Chiefs, which if I were to guess – with before the schedules come out, I'm gonna guess the Eagles Chiefs is probably gonna be the first Thursday night of the game because a lot of times they do a Super Bowl rematch. So, uh, and I will tell you right now, I think if that does happen, we're not winning that game because there's gonna be a lot of turnover in uh, this season on the Eagles. So, and I'll kind of add on to that at the end of the game or end of the Super Bowl talk. But with that, let's get right into the Super Bowl talk and going off of that easy schedule. I gotta say, for a team who had too easy of a schedule and were frauds, we held our own pretty well against the. Uh, yeah. Pretty well against the Chiefs, who are one of the better teams in the NFL, even without Tyree Kill. So. Yeah, that first half you did great. Um, your defense really didn't have to do all that much because you, your offense really controlled the game. You dominated time of possession, and it that looked like the perfect game plan, but. The second half, your defense, there's it no other word to say this, it played like crap. I, it was awful. I have it's to say... the worst scheming I think I've ever seen. And I don't even... Well, so I think it's there's two sides to it. So, well, in the first half, let's go over this. The first half, the like you said, Eagles were controlling possession. 
best way to beat Patrick Mahomes. Don't let him on the field. He had eight minutes of possession going into the second half. They barely touched the ball. And the big reason they were even in that game, and I think one of the only reasons that they won that game was that fumble recovery that they took to the house. I That was a huge piece of it. I don't know how he how Jalen Hurts lost that ball what he happened just dropped it. yeah I mean he was yeah. he was trying to run out of the way and it just fell out of his hand it, that's something very unlike him he never had that I don't think if I recall correctly I will double check just to make sure but if I recall correctly I don't think he had a single fumble loss this season uh he he did throw a couple picks but if he had a if he had any fumbles lost it was a very small amount maybe one or two but most of the turnovers that he had, it was all, they were all interceptions. He He's very protective of the ball, which is a huge piece to being an NFL quarterback. Uh, but yeah, in the first half, they shut him down. They didn't let the, they didn't let Patrick Mahomes on the field, which is the best way to beat the Chiefs. And aside from that first drive where, you know, it, they're still trying to feel each other out. Chiefs did nothing when they did get a chance to get the ball. So they they played very well. Uh, and then, like you said, the second half, the defense just fell apart. I, like, I don't know it, what happened. It's The touchdown to Kadarius Toney, I believe, or there might have been another one as well where like the, the wide receiver was just completely wide open. There was absolutely nobody near him. And for a team that was – that good all season um that i mean i'm shocked that that happened and the fact that the team who had the most sacks since the 80s bears did not get a single sack against the chiefs and i thought that was shocking to me because mahomes was still playing on a bum ankle it wasn't 100 percent. so i also want to touch on that so like you said mahomes was playing on a was playing on a bum ankle he didn't play well at all uh or not that he didn't play well. He didn't play well in the first half, but uh, yeah. I think the field. And I'm not this. I'm not using this as an excuse because it was for both teams. But the field was a huge, huge implication on the defensive lines. I, I don't remember what play it was, but uh, there was a play where both Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick were about to come across the top and just crunch Patrick Mahomes, and both of them at the top of their turns. They both slipped. like It was like a simulation. They both slipped at the exact same time in the exact same way. And like I said, it's not an excuse. Both teams had to deal with that field. But they worked on that field for two years. Uh, and it was probably the worst field a Super Bowl has ever seen. Now, with that being said, the Chiefs, the only sack, I put that in air quotes, the only sack they had yeah. was because Jalen Hurts didn't make it past the line of scrimmage when he was scrambling. Yeah, he ran out of bounds. That wasn't really a sack. And it was, and the reason like it goes down as a sack, he he's not usually one to run out of bounds. It was he was trying to get back to the line of scrimmage and he thought he was gonna get there, so he just kind of tried to reach the ball over. But since he didn't make the line of scrimmage, it technically counts as a sack. But if you look at it, neither team really had any sacks. Uh, the defensive lines didn't really play a factor, and. I think that kind of was a huge piece. Now, in the second half, I did say that the Eagles' defense played terribly because, well, they did. But also, I think that Andy Reid did a really good job of scheming up 
everyone to be open. It didn't. Yeah. It never seemed like Patrick Mahomes was under any stress stress in the pocket because, like I said, they were slipping, and he was always getting rid of the rid of the ball before anyone could even get there, even if someone did get to him. So he played. They, I think he got schemed up very well in the second half, and I mean that's what you're going to get from Andy Reid. He is probably the best coach in NFL history. Uh, and the only reason I say it above Bill Belichick is he's he's done it with multiple quarterbacks. You don't. I think Bill Belichick is you only one with be- Bill Belichick is only one with one quarterback. He hasn't done anything since Tom Brady's left. Andy Reid has hundred wins with two different franchises, and no matter what quarterback he has, he makes them look good. He took Donovan McNabb to a Super Bowl. Uh, Alex Smith had multiple winning seasons. He didn't go to a Super Bowl, but he did have multiple winning seasons. Patrick Mahomes has gone to three Super Bowls in four years, five straight AFC championships. That's a pretty good. I I would argue I would argue that and say Bill Belichick's up there, but I think Andy Reid is probably the best. You think he's the best coach in NFL history? Yes. I agree. He's a great coach, but I simply can't put him in the greatest because, yes, he was successful in his time in Philly, but they lost a lot in Philly in terms of when it mattered. They lost a lot of AFC, NFC championship games. There was the one that they act like, like completely got dominated by the Bucks when the Bucks are a warm weather team and they played in Philly. His time management wasn't that great, but I mean, you talk about the different quarterback thing. Joe Gibbs won three with three different quarterbacks. I think that has to be mentioned. I still would put Belichick above um, above Andy Reid, though, because Belichick, he has won so many Super Bowls, and I feel like you can't really discount that. Yes, I do think Andy Reid is an all-time great coach, but I think it's way too early to say that he is the single greatest coach in NFL history because you still got your Landry's. You still got your freaking Vince Lombardi. And with Vince Lombardi, his if he hadn't passed away so young, he passed away at 59, his his track record could have looked a lot better. Um, but Andy Reid's great, but I think it's a little too overzealous to say he's the greatest. I just, I just think... From what he has been able to do with what he had, I mean, like I said, 200 win season, 200 win te- uh, teams with different franchises. Yeah. He's And he did it with the Eagles, too. He took them to three straight NFC championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took the Chiefs to five straight. It's just, he is, while yes, he might have lost when it mattered most in Philly a lot, uh, he still did win a lot, too, so... I mean, when he got when he got fired, when he got fired, he was jobless. He was unemployed for six days, not even a full week, and he was hired immediately. Well, I don't think he should have gotten fired from Philly in the first place. Because correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you guys were just kind of tired of the winning but losing in the critical situations. Looking back on it, I think you have a greater um, like you look back on it a lot better but in the moment a lot of eagles fans wanted him fired which i just think is really weird uh oh so uh and just going back to that jalen hurts fumble he only fumbled twice this season he lost two fumbles he fumbled nine times but only lost two of them 
Uh, yeah. So he's very he's very good at protecting the ball, but I don't know. I I think that Andy Reid is probably the best uh, coach of all time. I I be, I will I will leave it up there and say it's up for debate because obviously Bill Belichick has got to be up there in the conversation I mean, too. Yeah, the debate's there, but I would put other co- a lot of other coaches let, above him. Let me put it this way because you can't argue this. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, definitely. I, all right, no. we'll, we'll put it there. So he's a very, very good coach, and I believe this is something that I also believe you might argue with me on is Patrick Mahomes is probably going to go down as the best quarterback of all time. Um, I've heard that a lot. He's in position to do it, but I still think it's a little early to say. Do I think there's a very good chance of that happening? Yes, absolutely. But one thing to greatness is longevity. Um, I think you'll obviously get to it because the rules nowadays are always going to be catered to yeah, the offense. Yeah, they're very quarterback friendly. He's he's probably going to break the like all the passing records, but I'll take that with a grain of salt because four thousand yards in two thousand two, say, or two thousand five, isn't the same. And two thousand twenty two, you have to kind of keep that in mind and kind of adjust the stats. Um, but. I do think it's possible. Am I still like 100% convinced? No, because you don't know what could happen. We've seen players have a great like stretch and then one massive injury kind of just throws them Delares off the rails. Their career, yeah. Yeah. So uh the oh, that's why. His rookie season, he passed for not his rookie, his second year playing. Uh-huh. He passed for just under 5,100 yards, 50 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. He won MVP Offensive Player of the Year. He that Was that the year they won the Super Bowl? No, that was, was the year they lost to the Patriots. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the next season, he won a Super Bowl along with a Super Bowl MVP. The next yeah. season, he was third in MVP voting. This season, he won MVP again. Obviously, won Super Bowl MVP. My big argument, like you said, it is very, it is very, uh, very early, and that's why I said he should go down as, because yeah. if he continues what he's doing, then no doubt he's going to go down as best quarterback of all time. But uh, I think even if he doesn't touch Tom Brady's numbers, which arguably, arguably right, not arguably, but obviously right now, Tom Brady, you look at any quarterback and you're saying Tom Brady's the greatest just because of his numbers. Uh, his Super Bowl wins, just all of that. You're saying Tom Brady's the best. I'm looking at it like, even if Patrick Mahomes doesn't touch Tom Brady's numbers, he still just the way he manipulates the defense, moves around the field, creates offense from his legs and extending plays. I think just makes him that much better. Tom Brady was never an outside the pocket quarterback, and Patrick Mahomes has learned the ability to sit in the pocket and pass but when he needs to extend the play and get people open i mean their scramble drill is a huge part of their offense it is such a weapon for them and that's huge and i think that was also a big piece of the eagles downfall in the super bowl was when they needed it he had the scramble drill obviously at the end of the game he had that 30 yard scramble to put them in field goal position get them into the red zone so i think even if he doesn't even if he doesn't touch Tom Brady's numbers, he's still going down as the best quarterback of all time. And he's done more. He did more as under the age of 25 than most quarterbacks do in their entire career. So 
But that's... to be fair, he has had one of the best supporting casts. I think that also needs to be taken into account. Like, he didn't single-handedly win the Super Bowls. He didn't... Like, to win an MVP, you obviously... You need players around you, so... Um, I will say that he has had a very great system. You were put into a team that has Andy Reid, according to you, greatest coach of all time. You had a bunch of offensive pieces there, and your deep... Like, when he first came, their defense was actually pretty decent. It's still kind of good now. they've now, put so much money into the offense. What it was. Yeah, because... And they just simply now, couldn't afford to keep a lot of those Now, players. here's my rebuttal to your supporting cast argument. I agree for the first couple of seasons. Who was their best receiver this year? That that that's fair, but they do they do have <laughs> but the best tight end in the game. I, I I was just about to say Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes have some sort of other connection than any other. It's like a Tom Brady Gronk connection. They have yeah. an amazing quarterback tight end connection, but I will also say Patrick Mahomes makes receivers look good who aren't that great. Marquez yeah. Valdez Scantling had six receptions for 116 yards against the Bengals and a touchdown. Thank yeah, you. and part of that I think is they have two offensive geniuses on their staff with Andy Reid and Eric Biemi. I think that that has to be taken into account because that a good quarterback can take a system and push it further, but when you combine a great quarterback and a great system, you're going to see things like that. Yeah, and I mean – Every quarterback is a system. Every successful quarterback is a system quarterback. Because yeah. if you put them in a system that works, then that's all that matters for winning. So I don't like that argument that they're a system quarterback because every quarterback is. Uh, yeah, and like that's how you be successful as a quarterback. Trent Dilfert was successful because the system he was in was something he could do hand the ball off a lot and not really screw up. So, uh, but. Ultimately, I mean, the Eagles kind of fell apart in the second half. And here's here's the only the only reason I got mad. Now, I know this is this is the biggest controversial piece of the of the game was that hold at the end. And I think here's here's the only reason I get mad about it. Yes, James Bradbury came out and said, yeah, I tugged his jersey. It, it was a hold. It was the right call. The only thing I have about that is earlier in the game. He completely spun Juju around, and there was no call. And then in that part of the game, it's the end of the game. Eagles are looking like they're going to get the ball back, at least get a chance. And maybe the Eagles get the ball back and do absolutely nothing. Maybe they just get completely stonewalled. They can't do anything, and they lose the game anyway. So be it. That's how they should lose the game. But when you don't call a hold that is blatantly obvious earlier in the game, and you call that at the end of the game... That's that's where it gets that's where it gets to me a little bit. Uh, ultimately, I think the Eagles lost themselves the game. They shouldn't have even put themselves in that position. And if it comes down to one play like that, odds are you shouldn't deserve to win the game. But there was definitely there was definitely question there. And I think aside from that, the refs called a pretty good game. Uh, I didn't. There was nothing much that you really look at and you say, oh, the refs did terrible, which. I think recently is a great thing because over the past couple of weeks, people have been complaining about the refs quite a bit. Well, and I'm a Commanders fan, so I know about horrible referees. We saw a lot of horrible referees for our game, the Giants game included. But yeah, overall, I think it was a pretty good called game. I didn't even that holding call. I mean, you could see something was there, even if it was a little 
ticky tacky around the nose yeah there's still something there where you can say okay i can understand why it's a holding doesn't mean i agree with it so and if you look if you look at the play now talk about ticky tacky there was i'm not really trying to throw this out there but there was also a uh there was a hands to the face on josh sweat on that play too but i mean that is what it is that wasn't even close to being called uh but also the what was i gonna throw out there uh it it was a little ticky tacky and it was the right call but i mean it's it's just such a big call and such a big time to call the game and i saw multiple people say if you are questionable about it then you shouldn't be throwing the flag especially on that stage at that point in time uh but that was really the only thing that made me uh mad about that game i'm I was more disappointed. Obviously, I wanted the Eagles to win. It was a it was a close game, which is all you can ask for as an outside fan. I would have rather it be fifty to nothing, but uh, nothing. Yeah, but as an outside, I wasn't really an outside fan because I already lived through the Eagles winning a Super Bowl once. I don't. I didn't want to do that again. Um, but it was a very good game. I also I also like Andy Reid. I, I love Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback, so I don't have anything against the Chiefs. I'm totally I'm okay with that. So it's uh yeah, if you're gonna lose to them, if you're gonna yeah, lose, yeah, it's you might as well lose it's to a them. very it's a very respectable duo to lose to. So I am fine with it. Uh, but Eagles fall to the Chiefs, thirty-eight, thirty-five. And if you look at it, I mean, there's really not much of a future in the NFC as a whole. I mean, aside from you have two. Three young quarterbacks, Justin Fields, who still is yet to prove anything. Uh, if the but Bears, we don't know if he's gonna be there anymore because there's rumors. There, that he there is rumors he might get traded. traded. And yeah, but I, all... uh, oh yeah. So I mean, there could get traded, but as of right now, you got three potentially four young quarterbacks in the N- NFC. You got Kyler, who is going on to a new head coach, which we'll talk about in a sec. Uh, that color things that that's weird. There's uh, something there. Justin Fields, who has yet to prove anything and doesn't have any receivers. Uh, you have Jordan Love, who might not be starting because Aaron Rodgers might be coming back to the Packers. No. But I will tell you what: from what I saw from him against the Eagles, he looked good. He There's was slinging it. Uh, and then finally, who was the fourth? That Sam Howe, bro. Oh, uh, no, Trey Lance was the fourth, who is going to have to be the starter now because Brock yeah, Purdy's getting but, Tommy John. Yeah, but we don't know what, like, you don't know what you have yeah, with Trey Lance. All, that's a problem. Three, and you, you three don't of those know, four quarterbacks that I just said, you don't know what you have. Huge question marks. So the, Jalen, the Hurts, one, Jalen Hurts is really the only surefire yeah. young quarterback in the NFC right now. Yeah, with Kyler Murray, apparently there's reports that people are kind of scared off from him because he apparently has a very bad reputation nowadays. You go on to Justin Fields, he showed flashes, but there's with his still running. not a lot there. He had two games over 200 passing yards this season. Yeah, and with a game that's dominated by passing, people are going to look at that and really question that. And if you go to Jordan Love... You don't know what you have there. You don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. You don't know if a team like San Francisco is going to try and sign Rodgers or trade for him. You just simply don't know. Yeah, so there is a lot of question marks in the quarterbacks in the UFC. See, the AFC, you've already gotten, you've already got five, six proven 
young quarterbacks who are going to be fighting for that AFC year in, year out. You got Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, three of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And you still have guys like Justin Herbert. Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Like, there are so many good young quarterbacks in the AFC that it is just going to be years and years of absolute chaos going in the AFC because, oh, and and Trevor Lawrence. And Russell Wilson. Uh, I actually do think he's going to bounce back. I'm not. He could with Sean Payton. I'm. I'm not completely on that. Uh, I'm not completely against Russell Wilson yet. Uh, so there's just. I think the NFC is really the place to be right now. And like you said, Eagles rebuilt an entire team from four eleven to fourteen and three, and in the Super Bowl in two years. So yeah. losing fourteen players this season, yes, it's hard. But I don't doubt that Howie Roseman won't turn some nothing nothing into something. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna pull some bull crap where you're gonna get a player for very little, and everybody's gonna be like, "What the hell? Why yeah, is this happening it, again?" So it's it's gonna be a it's definitely gonna be. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, so the Eagles and I last year I was a little bit shaky just. Like every other person who watches football with the Nick Sirianni hire, with the way his interview went and the way he was interviewing draft prospects and stuff. And he was just a very like, what are you doing? It was very risky. But I mean, I love Nick Sirianni as a head coach. Him and Jalen Hurts also seem like they have a pretty good chemistry going. So I really like the future of at least the head coach in the quarterback position. And obviously, you got to build around Jalen Hurts with that. So they look very good. And I mean, Jalen Hurts looked really good in the Super Bowl, too. He was running all over the place, three rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. So he he looked good, set all kinds of records in the Super Bowl, most rushing yards in the Super Bowl, most rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl, had that beautiful pass to A.J. Brown. Uh, through and a then couple had that crappy Hail Mary that went Yeah, I don't even short. know what happened there. I thought What was like why would that happen? I, I you know that feeling when uh you were playing backyard football when you were younger and you try to just absolutely chuck it and it goes 10 yards really instead short. of 50 like yeah. you think. I feel like that's what what happened. Like he was just trying to send it way further than he could. Yeah, he's probably trying harder, but that AJ Brown throw that was around the same distance as the uh as what the Hail Mary would have been. I thought they were going to do like the, the hook and ladder play. Laterals. Yeah. I said they should have put Miles Sanders at center, but I mean, what do I know? Oh, <laughs> oh, you're going to pull a Cowboys and he's gonna Yeah. Uh but uh the I don't really I don't know. I think other than that final pass, he looked really good. He played really well. You saw a couple passes to Dallas Goddard that were insanely good. Had that nice throw on the run to Devontae Smith for a first down on like third and 12. He's, he looks really good. And I mean, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were saying, oh, well, you can't just run the offense out of like the only reason that Jalen Hurts is good right now is because teams have to worry about his legs. And I go, well, that's their problem, not ours. Like that—that's yeah, what you get with a dude, dual threat quarterback. That's every single 
dual threat quarterback. Yeah. That's why there's such an allure for them is if you can get one that's actually pretty competent in throwing and Jalen Hurts has become quite competent this year, then you have the dual threat. It's very difficult to scheme because if you designate like a linebacker or defensive end a spy, that means you're leaving out somebody who could possibly be covering in the backfield or uh, covering covering a zone or you could leave out a rusher. So, I mean, that I think is kind of a stupid point. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm like, if you that's if that's how an offense needs to work. If that's how an offense needs to work, then that's how an offense needs to work. That's not really an issue. Uh, but other than that, there wasn't really anything I wanted to add. Uh, looks like the Eagles are going to be hiring Brian Jose, Brian Joseph or Brian. I think it's Brian Johnson. He was the quarterback's coach this season to OC, uh, which he was going to be a huge piece of the Who are you going to replace Gannon with? Because he's gone. He went there, to... Yeah, there's talks about... Uh, they're looking to interview... Yeah, Brian Johnson to the OC. And then they're looking at interviewing Vance Joseph for the defensive coordinator. Cause, uh, so we'll, we'll scan over these just for this week because I really want to talk about them next week when we don't have any football to talk about. Uh, so I we'll go over the uh, biggest hires coming up real quick, some bigger news coming up real quick. Uh, but, uh, yes, we're looking at hiring Vance Joseph for defensive coordinator, which uh, Gannon said he wasn't going anywhere. So Vic Fangio went to Miami and then John Gannon went to Arizona. So that wasn't exactly ideal. But uh, yeah. yeah, Jonathan Gannon. Some of the worst schemes, and like, that's our guy. And Howie Roseman, Gannon came out and said he didn't even know about the interview with the Cardinals until they were leaving Arizona. And Howie Roseman goes, "Oh yeah, by the way, you're interviewing in Arizona. You're interviewing with the Cardinals, so don't go anywhere." <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Uh oh, okay." So Ooh. I mean, him and Shane Steichen were both hired immediately. Shane Steichen going to the Colts. Gannon going to the Cardinals, obviously a couple other big coaching pieces. Like I said, I want to get more into depth into these next week because I think there's some interesting uh, head coaching hires. Sean Payton to the Broncos, uh, which I think is going to be good for Russell Wilson, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, D'Amico Ryans to the Texans. He's going back. So uh, that I really like D'Amico Ryans, and he still looks like he's 26. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't look like he, he ages. Doesn't age. Uh and then like I said earlier, Brock Purdy going through Tommy John. We'll touch on that again next next week. Uh Tom Brady retires, obviously one of the bigger pieces, and then Aaron Rodgers still up in the air about what he's gonna do. Now, uh I did hear that Aaron Rodgers, he was saying how he still needs something to scratch that competitive itch that he has from being an NFL quarterback. And he went to golf this weekend at the Pebble Beach wow. Pro-Am and won it. So maybe yeah, he maybe he found golf something new. Or like, play cornhole or something. But for me, the biggest, it's not confirmed yet, but it's still in the baby stages. But um, there's rumors that Eric, Eric Biennium, Biennium he's, the he's currently, um, he had a meeting with Ron Rivera yesterday and he's currently still with them today. Um, apparently it's a lot more casual today and uh, like there's reports that there's mutual interest um 
So if the commanders are able to get that done, that is a huge, huge hiring. I think that would be um, if like the new owner situation like that happens this off season, then I think Eric BME could be in the position to take over that head coaching job. And I think that'll be something that would be absolutely huge for this offense because we have the pieces there. You just need to add a few more to the offensive line and maybe a tight end. Um, and you need your defense you to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. Well, hmm. you guys went from the best, de- from the worst defense in the league to one of the best, and now next year's kind of up in the we air. We don't. Kids. We need to keep Deron Payne. We need to get rid of Carson Wentz, please. There's no reason we should still be employing that man. But yeah, we there's still some things to do, and I think our GM really needs to not drop the ball like he did last off season. Um, he needs to actually do his job. But I'm not even sure how much control he has. But if we're able to get the Eric Biemi thing done, I think that could do wonders for this offense, and I think it could really help um, Sam Howell's development, even if he's a backup this year, um, and he's, they find another experienced guy, or if we somehow trade for somebody, I think it'd be really good for him. And an, a huge bargaining chip for the commanders that the Chiefs don't have is in in Kansas City, Andy Reid is the mastermind of the offense. The commanders, he he yeah, the commanders don't that. have an offensive head coach like the Chiefs mm-hmm. do. So Eric Bieniemy would be in a lot more control in Washington than he is he in would Kansas be the City. Offense. Yes, so that's a huge bargain, bargaining chip for the commanders. Uh, but other than that, I think that really closes anything out for uh, for the Eagles. And we'll also talk about uh, we'll touch on contracts too next week because, uh, like I said. Eagles are in cap hell at the moment, so there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, so going to uh, going to the NHL, as long as you have nothing else for the NFL. Okay. Um, going to the NHL, post-All-Star break, uh, nothing yet has happened with the – or nothing yet has happened anymore on the trade deadline. I don't remember if we mentioned it, but – Islanders signed Bo Horvat to an eight-year deal after he got traded there. So, we, I think we did mention it. We kind of mentioned that we both thought that was a little ludicrous. Which I knew it was going to happen. I was looking at uh, – I looked at his previous contract, and it was $5.5 million. And before he even got signed, I was sitting there thinking because I was uh, – it was before his contract details came out. All we knew it was eight years. And I was talking to a friend, and they were saying uh, – they just signed him to an eight-year deal, and I'm looking at his previous contract. I go, that's at least going to be seven million, probably closer to eight million. Uh, so, I, yeah, I do remember briefly talking about that, uh, but nothing else has happened towards the trade deadline. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, biggest piece in the air for the Flyers. Uh, Chuck Fletcher said came out and said he's being shopped around, but nothing is confirmed yet. And Nick Sealer. Nothing has been confirmed on what's going to happen with him. Uh, defenseman for us, who's played pretty decently, still young guy, so he could probably go somewhere and get a decent contract somewhere too. So uh, lots left to happen, but the trade deadline isn't until March 3rd, which is two weeks from today. So there's still a lot of time left. Uh, and going off of that, just talk briefly about the Flyers. Since we came back from the All-Star break, not having a stellar season. Uh, 
We lost to the Kraken in this past home and home. Lost 6-2 yesterday, but Travis Konechny has now finally overcome that hump of getting his career high in goals. He's now 26 goals on the season. So I'm really hoping that this uh, pushes him forward and kind of gets him back on track. Uh, Owen Tippett has started to streak up more with his goal scoring. Uh, so you're starting to see some of these players that you know we had questions about going into the All-Star break start to break out a little bit more and uh, start scoring and maybe produce some more offense. So uh, it's going to be interesting there. But I'll tell you what, when the Eagle, when the Flyers are playing teams that they are really outmatched by like the Kraken you can see it and I do have to say props to the Kraken I last year we were talking about how bad they were but watching them these past two games they suffocate you with speed like there is nothing you can do the Flyers had one shot in the first period against the Kraken yesterday like so they they just suffocate you with speed and make it hard for you to play the game they are Kraken are good. They're definitely going to be a team to be reckoned with, so props to them. But, uh, yeah, Flyers are just kind of in limbo right now. Nothing too great. They're one game under Hockey 500, and uh, just really watching for the last 30 games and to see what players step up and how John Tortorella is going to shape this team for the future. Yeah, the Caps really isn't much better. We're 4-6 and six in our last 10 Um how it's looking right now, we're probably going to miss the playoffs. Um, and I'm interested to see what they do around the deadline. Um, I know Ovi doesn't want to be a part of the rebuild, but it just makes m the most sense to kind of be sellers right now because I think there's a decent amount of players I think that we could get decent packages for, and I would it would clear up a lot of cap space for possibly future moves. Because um, off, for example, there's guys like L or Mantha. So I really don't know what they're going to do there now would this be a i don't think this is really up for debate but if Ovi doesn't want to be a part of the rebuild does he go somewhere else to try to get that goal record i don't think so because i just don't think the management would um while it would make the most sense to kind of become sellers, I don't think they will simply for the pure fact that they probably still think they're in a position to win. Um, they may try and do another retool, and I think that's something realistic we could do. Like, you could probably try and trade Kuznetsov and Mantha for, like, younger guys, but who are still decent. Um, and you could still try and be competitive, but I can't really see Ovi joining another team i think he wants to finish his career here and we want him to finish his career here so if it really came down to it i just i don't think that the management or the ownership would even like put themselves in that position and i mean you guys are still in a playoff spot you're tied with yeah. the panthers but you do have one game in hand so that puts you ahead of them uh, yeah, we've just been we've been unimpressive. We've been really inconsistent. We beat the Bruins, possibly the best team in hockey, but then we lost to the Sharks and what wasn't a very close possibly game at all. the best team in hockey. They're forty-one, eight and five. They don't even have double-digit losses yet. I I would not say that's possibly the best. Possibly, team in hockey. they are insane. Uh, but yeah, they're crazy right now. Uh. Flyers are eight points back of a playoff spot. And, I mean, 
this is just me being a hopeless fanatic, hoping that they could make some sort of push and make the playoffs. But I believe I went over it last week. They're their remaining schedule is not kind to them. Uh, it's definitely going to be a rough one. But they are uh, – let me pull up their season from last year because if I recall correctly, they are just short of already being a better team from what they were last season. Uh, last season, I want to say they ended with 68 points on the season. Maybe it was 62 uh, but I mean, they are approaching their, their numbers that they had last season. Obviously Travis Konechny having a career year, Kevin Hayes is playing really well, representing the team with the all-stars, even though I believe he definitely should not have, uh, and the, it is the young guys stepping up that make this team look just a little bit better. I will say this though, Carter Hart is just still a stellar stellar goal if if he were to get if he were to get traded that might be one of the only times that i am actually angry at a team for trading someone like carter hart is 61 points last year 50 how many 61 61 i believe they only had 25 wins uh I yeah, 25 wins. Yeah, so they have 22 wins currently and 54 points. So it's looking, as long as they don't completely fall apart, it's looking like they're going to break that from last season. And Torts uh, would be having one of the better seasons that he has had as a coach in his first season with every other team. So uh, the, the Flyers do look good, and it's very... If you look at Flyer fandom, it is very, you know, hit or miss, depending on who you talk to, on how Torts is doing as a coach. But they're also all bedard or bust at the moment. No one wants the Flyers to do good as a Flyers fan. But unless you're somewhat sensible, I like to call myself somewhat sensible, knowing that it's better to go into another season with, uh, with a little bit of momentum on your side, with a history of focusing on a win as opposed to tanking because when you go through a season just losing and trying to lose for someone that's a hard culture to change so bringing in torts who is rough on the team he's been trying to do whatever he can to find a way to win i believe every single game this season he's been switching up lines trying to just find offensive lines who knows how many combinations of lines we've had all season uh so he's doing whatever he can to win, even if, even knowing that right now we don't have the talent to do so. So uh, this is a loaded draft, though. So even if they don't get Bedard, I don't think they will be. They'll too, be too sad about it. And there's an off chance that maybe they win the lottery. Very off chance, but the number one team only. The number, the worst team in the league only gets an 18% chance to get the number one pick. Uh, and then I believe number two is 12%. Uh, so there is still a very good chance that they move up in the draft, even if they finish with a decent record. Uh, yeah. They're right around middle of the middle of the road right now with, uh, with their record and not really points, but 
uh, nothing too shabby. Uh, you see, Crosby came out and said he wanted a change in the a change in the playoff format. Yeah, I did. I think then you say he wants it back to the old one through eight. Yeah, he uh, just format. wants it one through eight in the Eastern. Which honestly, I think that kind of brings in a little bit more a little bit more intrigue. Yeah. Uh. So currently, if uh, I can't. Okay. So currently, if the if it were to be like that, it would be Boston against Washington in the first round. If the playoffs Ooh. were to end today, Boston against Washington in the first round. Uh, it would be Carolina against Pittsburgh. That would be the two v seven. Boston one v eight with Washington. The three v six would be New Jersey against Toronto. And then the four and five would be Tampa against the Rangers. I like that better overall, but I don't want to play the Bruins. I, I think I it's really I think it's that. better because it kind of it makes it it gives the ability to see big divisional matchups later in yeah. the playoffs. Like in this in the current way it's set up, you're only getting an Atlantic versus Metro uh conference championship. You're not getting a metro metro or atlantic atlantic which is gonna if you do get that then you get a you know maybe more animosity towards in the game and just making it that much better of a game i think that'd be be like that yeah that would be really cool i also heard someone else say uh they should go back to the old one through 16 like don't even have don't even worry about conferences just one through 16 best of the best which would create so many travel issues Boston would play Florida round one. Carolina against nightmare. Carolina against Washington. New Jersey against Colorado. That would be awful to travel for. Yeah, uh, that, that that's a no. Pittsburgh against Toronto. Tampa against Edmonton. That's another decently distanced uh, matchup. New York against L.A. That's total opposite sides of America. Uh, Dallas against Seattle, and Vegas against Winnipeg. You got Ew. some you got some big distances in there. Like that's just not that's not able to happen. No Those way. Those distances are fine when it's anything other than the first round. It's not even with that. It's like anything up until the the Stanley Cup because think about it. If you're say you're in Carolina and somehow you only pull you pull straight East Coast, East Coast uh, matchups up until you get to the Stanley Cup, and then you pull a West Coast team, and that West Coast team also had only East Coast matchups. Carolina is in a way more favorable position because they weren't traveling as much, so that would never get passed. I think the idea of the one through eight, I don't think it'll get passed, but I don't either. But I would prefer it. It, it was it, with it out there, it definitely could happen. Uh, so that'd be interesting, but like I said, I don't think either of them are gonna pass through. So uh, that would be cool though. Um, but that's really all we have for NHL. Anything else from you? So I got nothing major. Like I said, but trade deadline's coming up, so that should start to spur yeah. up a little bit if it picks up. I mean, maybe it's another dead, just a completely dead uh trade deadline. I hope not. 
yeah, that's half the fun. But most teams, most teams understand that the trade deadline is where you're overpaying for anything. Yeah, and that's that's the big issue. So if you're gonna do a big trade, it's usually gonna happen in the off season. Uh, but like I said, it's really it for the NHL. Uh, and then, did you have anything to have for MLB other than pitchers and catchers reporting to? Nope. I think uh, Andrew Paint Painter, the Phillies' top pitching prospect. Has a pretty good chance to be with the Phillies this season too. So that could... uh, one piece of news is the Nationals are eliminated from um, the playoffs. Oh yeah, before season even starts. Uh, the, but yeah, Andrew Painter. That I'm excited for the Phillies. That which I'll tell you what that also hurts Philadelphia having technically three, but soccer was one of them. The but uh, losing. Uh, losing teams in the championship. That that one hurts a little bit. That's funny. But you know how many other cities have made three straight or three championships in a single year? None. One. Boston. But it was it was the Celtics and then it was like the women's Berlin? basketball team and wow. like the soccer team or something like that. Wow. Uh, but multiple teams have had two like Last year was both Tampa teams, uh, which, oh, no, the Lightning didn't win. I was going to say they both would have won, but Lightning didn't win. So uh, that's really it for this week. So with that, we are going to end it off there. Uh, We have our Instagram and TikTok where we post big stuff on this side of the screen. Uh, And an email if you guys want to email us questions, comments to put in the show blndc at gmail.com instagram and tiktok are blndc and with that that's going to end it off for this week so we will see you guys next week see you later